This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to the first regular season pod for year three of Rotowire's signature NHL hockey podcast. It's podcast with Statsman and AJ, folks. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno. You can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes. 24. AJ, we're coming out to our listeners on the eve of the start of the, of the NHL regular season, and in addition to feeling that excitement, I have an announcement to share. Uh, I'll be away for the next three weeks on a vacation that'll take me through Europe, so you might think it's oddly time, but I had to work through the whole baseball season, and this is the only place that I could fit it in, buddy, so you're going to take the reins, and uh, that means that I'm curious to know who you might have lined up to step in, and I don't want to be Wally Pipped here, so I expect to be back on the job in about three weeks, so <laughs> tell whoever it is not to get too comfortable. <laughs> yeah, so uh, primarily, uh, looks like we're going to have uh, NHL managing editor uh, for Rotowire, Mike Gay, join us. Uh, he'll add a, a ton of insight on on everything that he sees. He's kind of the the head honcho as far as hockey coverage comes here. Um, unfortunately, a Detroit fan, but there's no fixing that. Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, it'll be primarily Mike. I think we might have one other person step in. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much about us replacing you, but you never know. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Mike has a lot to offer and uh, maybe we'll switch it up to to Mike and AJ or, you know, it just doesn't have the same ring. I don't, I don't think we can change it. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to the powers that be there. I got to protect myself. It sounds like, <laughs> but AJ, we want to talk hockey and that's what this show is all about. So interesting situation close to home here in Toronto that I wanted to share with our listeners. We know that Willie Nylander is still the uh, big name RFA that's holding out right now. And he doesn't like to be calling it a holdout him and his agents, but effectively he's not here uh, ready to go for tomorrow night's game. There's a possibility scenario that's kind of emerged and that is relating to the fact that uh, I've unearthed something that shows the impact of a guy delaying his start in the regular season I'll explain that and I want to get your reaction to see if this might be what's at play but you take a scenario where there's a five-year deal and a seven seven million dollar cap hit and the there's a chart here that shows that uh, there's 186 days in the season and for every day that he doesn't show up 
the cap hit in the first year of that contract will rise and the rest of it for the duration of the life of the, re- of the contract will go down. So in this scenario, at $7 million, that cap hit, if he stays out till October 15, goes up to $7.386 million in the first year and drops down to six nine oh nine. November 1st holdout means it goes up to $8 million bucks, and then the rest of it is $6.78 million. So there's a savings down the, on the back end of the contract for the life of it. And that may afford the Leafs a little bit of flexibility to get the other three big guys signed. Part B of this, AJ, is that those three players, Tavares, Marner, and Matthews, their agents have all served to work with the Leafs. They're promising to fit uh, all three of these guys under the cap and along with Nylander. They want to keep this core together for as long as possible. So I'm thinking there might be a little bit of this at play in the background, and it kind of eases my angst, I'll say, about this whole whole situation. What do you think about that whole scenario? Well, I mean, for starters, I, 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 I like the idea of everybody working together to stay on the team and everything, but John Tavares just got $11 million a year. This guy's uh, not taking any hometown discount here. So let's let's be clear about that. I think McDavid's the only one making more money than him. So, uh, you know, that aside, I, I definitely would believe that Matthews and Marner want to continue to play together and they'll figure it out. Um, as far as Willie Nylander goes in the contract, look, it might be a nice little bonus, but I think everybody would agree you'd rather have Willie Nylander on the team playing for you right now than the cap implications down the road. So while it might be a nice little benefit, uh, I don't think it's really going to sway the team one way or another. Ultimately, I think what they want to do is get a deal done and get this guy in the ice. Uh, at least that's what I hope they want. If, if that's not what they're looking for, I'd have bigger concerns if I were you as a season ticket holder. Well, I have to say something to myself to convince myself everything's going to be okay. Adrian. That's the deal here. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's definitely interesting. Uh, and we'll, we'll highlight some more of those situations. Obviously, this would apply to, uh, to Nick Ritchie in Anaheim. Uh, and I'm, I'm blanking. There's one other guy, I think, that's holding out uh, there. But before we kick off the rest of the show, just remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineup, fantasy hockey or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us. uh, And we're always trying to get back to those questions as quick as possible. Um, Have had some really good discussions lately about about guys. Um, Had a had a gentleman ask me about uh, looking at his draft. Uh, Paul, get your take here. He had drafted the one guy I questioned was Milan Lucic. And I told him, I'm not super high on him, but he came back with, he mostly took him for hits. And I, I said, in that category, you picked the right guy. What do you think there? <laughs> yeah, if that's a lot to pin on one player, probably of that stature. Uh, you're looking at a guy who, who certainly is related to the physical side of hockey more than most players in the league. But I, I wouldn't overrate a, a category like that because really, you know that offensive stats uh, factor into the equation. And Lucic had trouble staying with the top six players in uh, in that lineup so i think he's going to be relegated to a third line role and i don't like overemphasizing third liners when there's lots of first and second liners that that probably remain unpicked in in most pools uh, of of a 12 team size let's say yeah so i i mean i i ultimately as i said you know it was the one kind of knock i had um just to give a shout out here at n mitts uh mitts the fish uh is the the twitter handle there uh so shout out to nick there for for bringing that question to me um like i said i liked most of his lineup with that exception uh he had some good options in goal stuff like that so uh if you 
have questions and uh, want our feedback on stuff like that, uh, as Paul mentioned, you can hit me up at AJ Scholes 24 and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. All right, buddy, let's get into the today's show. We want to highlight players who have changed into different roles than we predicted in our preseason pods during the training camp developments that uh, have altered things during the past few weeks. We'll begin in Anaheim, and of course, the big news there is the Corey Perry injury. The big winger is expected to miss the next five months after tearing up his knee at camp. That's created an opportunity for young Troy Terry to move into the right wing one slot. He did enough in five preseason games, it seems, to earn a look with Getzlaff and Raquel to start the season. And uh, you know my sidekick theory. I want to keep an eye on who's playing with the big boys. And this is a name that's popped up recently. So if you're not listening to this pod, you won't know that. Another guy that might be in the mix for that role is Sam Sam Steele. He's a uh, top young prospect who uh, was a very high scorer in junior. He tallied two goals in camp in five games. He starts the season lining up as a 3C, but I could see him moving over to the wing on that top line if uh, Terry doesn't work out, AJ. Yeah, I definitely agree, but don't sleep on Pontus Aberg. They just claimed him off waivers. <laughs> one of <laughs> Going my back favorites. to the old AH, AHL Milwaukee well on this one again, but... <laughs> Uh, I, I think this is a great young player. Um, I'm starting to wane on him a little bit. He hasn't kind of produced quite at the level that I, that I feel that he's capable of and has in the minors, but I think it's a great decision by, uh, uh, by Anaheim to pick him up off waivers, not going to cost them really anything. Um, and he could slot in to one of these roles, fourth line, possibly get a, a look on that top line as well i know aberg did a couple of times in in nashville so um he's another one I, I do think primarily especially with everything through camp i think you're right i think troy terry gets the bulk of it but bringing in aberg uh i think it raises a little bit of a red flag that maybe they're not quite as certain as they might uh, be projecting and uh, over in Arizona, they've had some roster fluctuations with some big movement in the offseason. And uh, I'm also curious to see whether Dylan Strom is finally ready to make the grade at the NHL level. He'll start out the season as their third line center. So uh, he's going to get ample opportunity to play against uh, bottom six uh, defense pairs and maybe lesser checking uh, from opponents. It's time for him to, s- to stand up and show something. Uh, we'll look for that opportunity because he was right there with Mitch Marner in junior. That's the profile that he had, AJ, to give you a comparable at the NHL level of what might have been expected. On the blue line, Jeff Chikrin still out of the lineup with a knee injury, so others move up on defense, and we'll, we'll look for somebody to jump into a role that takes up uh, some big minutes on the blue line there, but uh, I'll leave you to comment on that perspective. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk is listed as week-to-week with a lower body injury. That's a tough blow for a guy who was supposed to be a signature piece for this team after he was acquired in the offseason. Uh, that, that may give a guy like a Brendan Perlini a shot to get uh, top six minutes and a second chance to prove himself. So there's a lot of moving parts here in Arizona, figures to be, because this was a bottom feeder t- club last season. Absolutely. And the one player that I'm really watching today uh, with those rosters due at four o'clock today is uh, Barrett Hayden. They're uh, 2018 uh, first round pick. Uh, selected fifth overall, had an outstanding year uh, in St. Salt Marie last year, 60 points in 63 games, 21 goals there, uh, added another 21 points uh, in the postseason. Uh, and so whether or not they keep him on the lineup, uh, that decision is one that they'll have to make today. Uh, it's possible that they just keep him uh, for the nine games and then kick him back to juniors, which is certainly their prerogative. But uh, everything that I'm seeing is is showing that he's uh, adapting well, 
the team has been impressed with him so far. Uh, and so he has a chance to secure a spot on the roster. Like I said, that decision will may, be made today. Uh, so I'll be watching that one closely for sure. And we come up next to the Boston Bruins. This was a team that had some of its players go overseas to China to play a couple of games, AJ. That was kind of an interesting thing against Calgary. And in the course of their training camp, they picked up a couple of uh, tough knocks in terms of injury blows. Uh, Patrice Bergeron has effectively missed the whole preseason schedule, nursing a wonky back, but he's still slated to play in the B's opener. That, uh, that causes me a little bit of concern in terms of his overall status right now. But you're talking about one of the best two-way players in hockey, so... If the Bruins are really nurturing him along and knowing what they're going to expect and not to worry about injuries, I say not to worry, but I want to see it on the ice before I commit to him again. Tory Krug, though, may have suffered a, a more, more serious setback in terms of re- rehabbing his fractured ankle, so he'll be missing some time in the early going, too. That affords other people on the blue line to move up because, in addition to him, Mark Grzilczyk, has lower body injury and uh, so that's a couple of openings on the back end there I wonder who you might think might step in and what other comments you have on the Boston Bruins yeah it's definitely going to be Euro uh, Euro Vakanainen if I butchered that successfully um, he signed with the club during the offseason he was a 2017 first round pick uh, spent uh, last season playing uh, overseas not a huge offensive guy just 11 points in 43 games last year um, probably fits a little bit more than Zdeno Chara mold um, so uh, he's going to slot into the lineup and I think he stood a pretty good chance of securing one of these spots even if uh, Krug and Grzlelic were both healthy uh, and as far as other options, I think you're going to see this team decide to go with basically what it had last year. Um, I'm not expecting Daniel Winnick or Lee Stemniak to hang on uh, and, and get a long-term deal. They're both on PTOs, and I expect those to be finalized today, that they're out of a job there. So that's kind of how I see Boston breaking down. Uh, not a whole lot different for this team. I mean, they kind of just are chugging along with what they had last year, and it, it served them well. So uh, we'll see how it how it does this year. Over in Buffalo, the rebuild continues, and that means that young Casey Middlestadt, uh, another highly regarded prospect, gets a chance at a third-line center role to start the season. If things work out, I can see this guy moving into the second-line role, but I think it's a smart play to put him in there behind Patrick Berglund, who was acquired in the offseason and could solidify the middle and, and give Middlestadt a chance to get his feet wet. Samuel uh, Gergensen's drops into the fourth spot, so they got some, some skill in the middle of the ice, and uh, the top two youngsters could be... The the flag bearers there for a long while on the wing uh, Jason Pommelville is still showing enough at age 35 the challenge for his top six role at right wing that tells me more that uh, they need some work uh, in terms of developing young wingers to to support the what the the youth they've got in the middle of the ice but Pommelville to his credit is a, a longtime fixture in Buffalo brought back for a second tour of duty and has shown well since he returned so uh, he will hold one of the spots in the top six for for the time being Look, you can call it a third line all you want, but that is not their third line, in my opinion. Uh, middle stat is, is I think, uh, the better prospect uh, and better, ultimately, player than Berglund. And they've got him paired up with Vladimir Sabotko and Kyle Okposo. These are not third line guys. Um, the team, I'm not saying you're the one listing them as third line. The team is listing them as a third line. I just wanted to clarify that, but, uh, it's not, this is definitely their second line. Uh, for me, that turns me South on Connor Sheary. I don't expect him to produce at, at 
a, a high level uh, with Berglund and Tage Thompson like he would if he was playing with Eichel or Middlestat. I think he really got hurt, uh, no pun intended, by being out during training camp here. Uh, and then the addition of Jeff Skinner, I think, uh, further served to decrease his value. Uh, ultimately, they didn't give up much to to get Sherry. Basically, just took his contract and Matt Hunwick's contract. But I don't think it's going to work out well for them uh, to have Sherry paired up with Berglund and Thompson. Uh, as far as an an un- Another player that I was originally kind of high on was Scott Wilson, um, but he underwent ankle surgery yesterday uh, to repair a fractured ankle suffered during practice over the weekend. So he's going to be out until December. Obviously, uh, his kind of fringe player uh, role plus Uh, you know, this injury has him completely off my board in any sort of season long format. But once he gets healthy, I think this guy could slot in as kind of a sneaky depth option uh, when it comes to daily fantasy. So something to keep an eye out down the road, but uh, definitely don't have to worry about it. And, you know, anytime soon. Yeah. And you mentioned the way that the rosters have been listed here. I thought that James Neal would be a lock to play with Sean Monaghan and Johnny Gaudreau on on what should be a great top line. They've got him listed as a third line player. You wonder why that is. Is he still getting used to his new surroundings or what's going on there? I don't see him slotted properly on that third line for the money that they paid him. Uh, Another move, though, that's uh, apparent as a result of the training camp is Michael Forleek appears to have won a battle for the second right wing role. And that's a plum assignment, too, in Calgary. They've got some pretty good skill among the top six forwards that I see. Uh, Derek Ryan, who came over from Carolina, will start as the number three center. So I watch for him to have an impact there to hold down a third line that, that could be stronger than what they've had in the past. And I watch for a bounce back season from one TJ Brody on the blue line. He's going to get a partnership with Michael uh, Mark, Mark Giordano uh, to to be on that top pairing he had his best year in the nhl when he was partnered with giordano a couple of seasons ago and i'm looking for that to juice his totals again this season yeah i think the interesting thing about the neil uh, reduction is that they're going to have him playing with dylan dube uh this guy has made the team they made that announcement yesterday a second round pick in 2016 uh last year finished out his junior career with 84 points in 53 games in the whl uh came up to stockton for the last few games of the season picked up four helpers in six games so obviously this kid's uh got a bit of a scoring touch seems to uh do well around the puck and so i'm interested to see how well he can play uh, with a couple of grizzled vets like James Neal and Derek Ryan. But I think that gives them a really, really deep uh, third line. And so I think that's maybe what they're thinking. Uh, rather than stack Neal in a top six role, uh, they put Neil Dube and Ryan as a third line move for leak up to the second. Um, but obviously that's going to be one that could change, you know, game to game uh, throughout the season that Neil and for who's playing with who. And in Carolina, boy, uh, no team can withstand uh, the blow of losing a top uh, center. And this team is going to be struggling as long as Victor Rask is out for several months, it looks like, with severed tendons in his hand, AJ, suffered in in the training camp period. Uh, Martin Netzkatch is a youngster who moves up in class and gets the second-line center role as a result of that accident. And uh, on the wing, we've got uh, Warren Fogle, a solid scorer in the AHL last season. He moves up to challenge for his top six role as well after uh, Michael Furland has missed some time with a lower body injury. So some bumps and bruises to two of their better players has created an opportunity for some youngsters there in Carolina. It's, it's going to be a tough year if, if they don't get Rask back, though, I, I do believe. 
I absolutely agree with that. Uh, one other player that'll that'll step in here uh, that I like is Valentin Zykov. Uh, had 54 points, 63 games in in the AHL last year. Uh, just 10 games up with the Hurricanes, but notched seven points uh, in those 10 outings. Uh, didn't see a ton of ice time either. Just 13:42. So a guy that's really capitalizing on his opportunities, uh, and he'll make a much more significant impact this year. I think even once Furland comes back, I think Zykov is. Is, is a lock for the lineup at this point. I think you'll see him in there over a guy like Jordan Martin hook or even Brock McGinn uh, and how it all pairs out there. So uh, I, I think this team, I think you're right. Uh, not having Rask is going to hurt them, but there's definitely uh, some pieces here that can be kind of cherry picked, uh, you know, throughout the lineup. Over in Chicago, boy, when you look at the first line projections in Chicago, you realize it's a team in transition. Look at Jonathan Taves. Uh, He's going to be playing on the helicopter line when I consider the fact that I don't think there's a lot of talent on his wings there. Uh, John Hayden uh, projects to be on the left wing. We saw him get a cup of coffee with the team last year, but Dominic Cahoon is a guy who rises up and steals a role on the first line right wing situation ahead of possible vets like Debrinkat, who's out temporarily it looks like with an injury and Marcus Kruger who might have challenged but Cahoon is a youngster who very little is known about uh, other than what he's done at training camp this year so could be uh, lightning in a bottle if he succeeds but could be also a placeholder until some of the injured guys get back AJ I don't know what you think about the Hawks situation other than that but uh, I'm a little bit concerned that uh, they're going in for, to a bit of a dark period it doesn't hurt, help them that uh, Gustafsson who finished uh, I mean, sorry, Corey Crawford has ongoing concussion issues here. Cam Ward may assume a bigger role in in terms of the goalie split as the season uh, unfolds in Chicago. Yeah, I I do think they are are getting some good news uh, lately on Corey Crawford. He practiced in full yesterday, uh, rotated in with with Ward and Forsberg. Obviously, the big thing to watch for and more than even a, a coach's confirmation that Crawford's going to play is going to be Anton Forsberg being sent down to the minors. As soon as you see that, uh, that should be your clear indication that Corey Crawford is, is ready to go. Um, he is going to travel with the team for their first uh, road trip of the, the year. They start the first two games on the road. So that's definitely good news to uh, from what I'm uh, seeing, it's an illness for him. I would expect he'll be back and Cahoon uh, was probably just a placeholder, but uh, a little bit of, of details. The the Czech native uh, spent the last four years playing in uh, playing in Germany in the DEL. There, uh, notched forty one points in forty two games last year. Uh, runs about a. a tw- 10 to 12 uh, goal scorer the last three seasons. So has some definite potential to be a depth option. Uh, if for some reason they did decide to leave him on, <laughs> excuse me, on that top line, I, I think he could do well there. Um, but ultimately I expect the Brinkat to go back up there with tells you maybe see Cahoon on the bottom, but they may want to give him some time in the minors uh, before throwing him to the wolves. And injury news uh, factors into our analysis in Columbus. But first, I have to say something about Artemi Panarin as the first line left wing. Sure, this guy is a capable scorer, likely to lead this team in scoring, but he's expressed unhappiness during training camp. And I might 
I think he might be playing out his option here. So not good to have an unhappy camper as one of your signature players there. Uh, another guy who's a little bit happier is Nick Foligno. He's bounced around uh, center and wing last season. That impacted him. But I like the fact that they've, they've slated him to start as a left wing two. And that's where he's thrived in the past, AJ. I hope they just leave this guy alone on the wing. He's one of their team leaders. And he's played his best when he's played on the on the port side there. I expect the same this season. But another tough blow is uh, Seth Jones out of the lineup for the next four to six weeks. That's going to impact the top pairing as David Savard moves up in class and he'll partner with Zach Wierenski on what should still be a pretty effective top uh, duo. Savard has been a power play specialist there as well. So look for his offensive totals uh, in the early going to tell the tale there. He might stick uh, in that position if he thrives and maybe they bit a second pairing around Jones and split him up with Wierenski if, the, if that works out in the early going. Yeah, and that blue line takes an additional hit with the Ryan Murray injury. Uh, he's on injured reserve as well, and that really thins out this last pairing. I mean, you're looking at Dean Kukan, a youngster who hasn't really uh, made his way into the NHL much so far, and then Adam Clendenning, who's become a bit of a journeyman the last couple of years and really a, fr- uh, a fringe guy that's played both in the NHL and the AHL. So uh, this blue line's getting a little thin for me. That's definitely a concern. Uh, But obviously, even once those guys are healthy and back, everything there starts and stops with Wierinski uh, as far as uh, blue line scoring goes. Things are taking shape in Colorado, AJ. Alex Kerfoot is listed a third right, third line right wing to start, but he led the team in preseason scoring, and may, he also challenged with top six minutes uh, sometimes last year. So I look for him to be moving up and down the roster, but he's certainly done himself a good service to get off on the right foot in the exhibition games. Patrick Nemeth may see a bump in his offensive stats on the blue line. I like the fact that he's partnered with Tyson Berry, who's one of the more underrated top scoring defensemen, and Nemeth, for his part, is a guy that won't get you 50 points, but he might be in line for 30 to 35 if he can stick with Barry who is a good distributor of the puck the gold heat tandem here though uh, it is the white the, the white flag that I see uh, the one that causes concern I don't see much from the pairing in the nets here in Colorado and uh, that might be a concern for this club going forward well, and I think that's the biggest question mark that we, you know, that we're waiting to see at the start of the season here. Is it going to be all Simeon Varlamov? Are we going to have a true number one here uh, out the gates or are they going to kind of goalie split these guys? I think that's the biggest question mark here um, for for my money. Uh, I would not have touched Varlamov in a, in a season long draft just because of the uncertainty. I do, however, love the idea of picking up Grubauer as like a third uh, third goalie for your team. I think he'll probably see more starts and could take over the number one job down the road here. Varlamov has an injury history as well, which is a factor. Um, so how this breaks out in the first week is going to be really interesting. And I think something we could find ourselves talking about all season long. And in Dallas, for me, an interesting bit of news came about when Valerie Nichushkin was penciled in to their training camp roster, and he's won a job as a second right wing. This guy has all the tools in terms of size and skill. It didn't work out so well in his first go-around, but he had some success in the KHL, and now he wants to give it another whirl. And uh, the hope is that he works out well with a revitalized Jason Spezza, who had an off-season last year, but he's getting a little long in the tooth, too. So a lot of pressure on that top line to score, but they have some size on the second 
second line that could be imposing if uh, Natushkin starts to throw his weight around as I think he can. Tyler Pitlick is another guy co- who could challenge for the role of a top six winger on the right side if, if Natushkin fails. So they do have options there. But again, uh, the success or failure of this team will be determined by the goaltending. Ben Bishop and Anton Kudobin was a really good backup in Boston. They're both nicked up to start the season already. So this club might be behind the eight ball if their goalie's uh, wonky health continues. Whoa, we're talking about injuries when it relates to Dallas. What a shocker. Um, (laughs) It just seems to always be the case with this team. Uh, Two intriguing kind of prospects for anybody looking for for depth options out there. Uh, Roop Hintz has has pretty much made the team. 21-year-old had 20 goals last season in the AHL. Uh, That was his first year playing in North America. Had previously played uh, exclusively overseas. And so uh, he's one to watch uh, how his role fits. Now he'll be up against uh, Gemmel Smith, probably for that fourth line uh, spot there. Smith, a bit of a more uh, known commodity, had 46 NHL games last year, just 11 points. Uh, So I think uh, what you'll see is maybe depending on what they feel like they need uh, a little more physicality. You're going to get Gemmel Smith if they want to try and go with some depth scoring. I think you'll see Rupins. These guys will probably flip back and forth, um, but definitely players to watch on whether or not they're in the lineup for my money. Uh, Rupins probably comes in pretty cheaply uh, on FanDuel. And in daily contests, it might be worth a snag here or there uh, if he's going to be in the lineup. And the story in Detroit is kind of out with the old and in with the new. They start the season with uh, two name recognition players on their long-term IR. That's Henrik Zetterberg and Johan Franzen. You won't see them this season. But that makes room for some youngsters up front, including Tyler Bertuzzi, who will start the season uh, on the left wing top line again next to Dylan Larkin, who figures to be this team's signature player. The surprising note for me out of camp, though, is top draft pick Philip Sedina, who was mouthing off about how he's going to make teams pay for not drafting him uh, higher up in the draft board. He starts the season in the minors, so maybe his, his legs have to catch up to his mouth uh, a little bit to start this season here. Mike Green is another guy who's out of the lineup, a veteran who's dealing with a tough situation, a liver attacking virus. Boy, that doesn't sound good at all, AJ. We wish him the best with that circumstance, but it affords Danny DeKaiser another shot to get a bigger role on a, on a top defensive pairing. I've been waiting for this guy to break out on defense, and I'm sure Wings fans at the home office feel the same way. He's going to get some power play minutes and a bigger role as a result. So it's a, maybe a last-ditch challenge to see what they can squeeze out of a guy that they're paying a lot of money for for the next several years. And on the wing, another name to watch out for is Athanasiu. He's a talent who could p- push for top six minutes, but will start the season as a third-line center. So if anybody falters on that top six grouping, whether it be f- center or right wing or left wing, this is a guy who can be plugged in. Uh, so they have a little bit of depth going for them, but a long way to go in terms of the rebuild in Detroit overall. Yeah, and one player that's going to help with that rebuild that did make the team is Christopher Ern. Uh, this guy spent uh, the last several seasons playing over in Sweden, uh, drafted by the Wings in 2014, is going to get a look uh, here at the start. Seven goals, 10 assists last year, so not a huge point production guy. Definitely a bottom six uh, option for them, but uh, a player to kind of keep your eye on how they want to use him, especially with Evgeny uh, Svechnikov out uh, right now. That'll open up some additional opportunities. Obviously, Martin Furk. We'll get the first look there uh, in that depth option. But uh, Aaron definitely could factor uh, at some point here. 
And uh, over in Edmonton, we're looking at a guy who made made good use of the preseason, hanging out with Connor McDavid on that top line. Ty Ratty got nicked up at, at the end of it, but 11 points in four preseason games tells me he does, he's done more than enough to rate as a top sleeper pick in the early going. Should he fade? I'm looking at Jesse Pugliarvi uh, to be a breakout candidate here, whether he plays on a first or second line. This guy was a top draft pick of a couple of years ago, and like so many players, that take a couple of years to get their feet wet. This could be his breakout opportunity too. So a good bit of news on the wings for the Oilers. On defense, Darnell Nurks could have a similar impact. I look for this guy to, to be one of the best defensemen in hockey for the next few years. And he has a chance in a, in a very nice situation to be an impact player on the uh, Edmonton Blue Line. But really, uh, this team went south last year when, when Cam Talbot didn't play as well as he did the year before. He's looked pretty sharp in the in the preseason, though. So I'm looking for a bounce back goal uh, goaltending season from Talbot in the Edmonton goal, and that should improve their fortunes dramatically. Yeah, Edmonton's been exciting to watch in terms of position battles this uh, this preseason. You've got Kaylor Yamamoto, who's secured his spot, uh, played just the nine games last year, had three assists. Uh, and then racked up 64 points in 40 games in uh, in juniors. Uh, another solid junior campaign for him. In four junior seasons, his lowest point total was 57 on the year, his highest being 99. This kid knows how to score and definitely will factor in there. Then you've got uh, Jason Garrison potentially earning a contract here. He's still on his PTO. They got to make a decision there. Ethan Bear competing for a spot as well on the blue line. Obviously, uh, Adam Larson and Chris Russell being injured is going to factor into those decisions. And then the big one in goal, Miko Koskinen beats out Al Montoya for that spot. Uh, I was a little surprised Montoya cleared waivers uh, and was assigned to the minors. I would have thought maybe a team uh, with some more question marks in goal would have would have considered picking up the veteran. Uh, and, and that is what they have there is if, if Koiskinen struggles, if Talbot's struggling, either guy gets hurt. They do have Montoya kind of in reserve as a solid veteran option, uh, which is nice for them to have. But I was a little surprised to see nobody pick him up off the waiver wire. In Florida, everybody who's listened to this podcast realize, over the last couple of years realizes I'm a big booster of Nick Bugstad. He's another youngster with all the size and skill that you want uh, of a winger. He gets a top-line right-wing role out of camp. He hasn't had that for a while, and I look for that to improve his scoring totals. I think he's in line for a big year. Mike Hoffman arrives from a, a trade from Ottawa in the offseason to solidify the other top six role on the right side. So that gives him a pretty good look on the starboard flank, in my opinion. I'm going to also say that James Reimer might be a pretty good late-round late, late round goalie pick, AJ, because it looks like a pretty relatively even goalie split, whereas a lot of teams are going with a 55-28 kind of split or 27 kind of split. This looks like it could be a 45-37 kind of deal. And if Roberto Longo gets hurt, you can look for Reimer to pick up that slack. He's played uh, extended streaks stretches before. But right now, the concern is there's lots of bumps and bruises on the wings uh, and through on the defense, most, mostly minor ones, and they hope to keep a, a handle on that going forward because I think this is a team that could challenge for a playoff spot if all hands are on deck. Well, one player that is not dealing with a minor injury is Bogdan Kisilvich. Uh Sounds like a broken jaw potentially uh, for him here after taking a puck to the face. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, 
with that that kind of diagnosis and and how he uh, might or might not return. If you have him in season long, I'm going to suggest you pick up Jacob McDonald. Uh, this is a young defense defenseman who uh, has spent several years uh, kind of forcing his way into a lineup. Went undrafted out of Cornell University. Didn't really offer much uh, scoring uh, when he was in in college. His senior season had just nine points in 31 games. Obviously, something changed uh, when he hit uh, uh, the the minor ranks here. Had an ECHL season in which he had 37 points in 72 games. And then last year uh, with AHL Bingington, wrapped up 55 points in 75 games. So I don't know if Cornell just wasn't using this guy right or if they expected him to be more of a defensive uh, player and just didn't give him the opportunity to play offensively, but clearly he's discovered something and I think is going to bode well as a pickup uh, off the you know college free agent list uh, for the Panthers down the road here. In Los Angeles, we're talking about a team with the oldest average age of a roster, AJ, and it got older with the addition of Ilya Kovalchuk, but he looks ready to solidify the top line at left wing. That's been a bit of a revolving door in the past, so he could be the answer there. He's looked pretty good in terms of a seamless return to the NHL in the exhibition series of games, but they suffered a blow with Dustin Brown being out for a while due to a broken finger. That's too bad because he had a great uh, bounce back season last season after being uh, his, his scoring totals were reduced for the uh, most of the last three or four years he had a nice turn of uh, good fortune offensively but uh, we also look for a reunion of a, an interesting line that they had in place uh, Je- Jeff Carter had a lot of injury time last year but he'll re- be reunited with familiar wingers Lewis and Pearson on the second line and that solidifies that unit a pretty imposing top six when you look at it all and uh, speaking of reunions I look for a spike in Jake Muzzin's offensive totals as he's been reunited with Drew Doughty on the top deep pairing Muzzin was about a 40 point guy when he was with Doughty a couple of years ago but last year he got bounced around and the point total suffered a little bit so I look for a bounce back year from my uh, wife's namesake (laughs) yeah I I think the the kind of interesting thing with the Dustin Brown injury is whether they sign Emerson Entum uh, to to a, a contract here again another guy on a PTO kind of got to watch for that today see what happens um and then uh the another uh goalie battle in which the young uh the youngster wins out jack campbell going to be the backup to jonathan quick uh after peter budai was shipped off to the minors I'm less surprised that budai didn't uh didn't garner any interest there um but i do think uh jack campbell offers a, a little bit of a different look uh on the back end but obviously this will be jonathan quick all the way as long as he can stay healthy and in Minnesota, we're looking at a team that just simply couldn't keep up with the big boys in their division. That's because they suffered a couple of injuries to some key players. A look for Charlie Coyle to be a bounce-back candidate here as he's ticketed to start right wing at the second group. And then uh, Zach Parise hopes to regain his status. It wasn't so long ago at AJ that he was a signature player here, but he suffered through a couple of injuries, played campaigns. Right now he's healthy, and that's the best sign of all in Minnesota. Yeah, the thing for me with this team is I, I'm not in love with their depth options here. Outside of the top six, um, you know, there's there's some intriguing guys who have had flashes. Nito Niederreiter, JT Brown have both kind of had flashes of it. Uh, Jordan Greenway is an intriguing player to watch coming off uh, his strong performance in the Olympics last year. And then the, the injury to Luke Coonan. 
Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a little bit before he's ready to go. Still might spend some time in the minors kind of rehabbing that knee injury before giving the green light here. So, uh, there's just not a lot to love in the, in the bottom options here. It's pretty top heavy. And I think it's ultimately going to really hurt this team, uh, this season They're as you said, they're not going to keep up. Uh, with the rest of this division well a similar assessment could apply to uh, in terms of what you just said to the montreal canadians uh, certainly the max domi at center experiment seems to have been put on the back burner a little bit what with his suspension in the training camp which still galls me that this guy gets to play the first game of the season after what he did but uh, yesbury kotkaniemi maybe is getting a bit of a an extra push here to show what he can do right out of being drafted as the top pick in Montreal. They're going to put him in at second line center. He's insulated with Domi on the left wing and Joel Armia, big imposing guy on the right side. So don't expect too many teams to be taking liberties with the young talent at center. But it's the top line that that really doesn't inspire me. Philip Deneau and Thomas Tatar, they've been third liners most of their careers, but they're plugged in as top liners. Brendan Gallagher, a heart and soul guy on the right wing. We've got a lot of time for a player like that as our listeners know, rounds out that unit. But boy, there's more uh, questions than answers among the top six here in Montreal. Well, I I don't disagree with this decision, but I thought it was interesting to name Shea Weber the captain when he's going to be out uh, for as long as he is, uh, you know, out uh, at least until December. I I do think he's ultimately the right choice. Don't get me wrong. I'm not questioning that aspect of it. Um, But uh, I felt it just seemed weird to name a guy, your captain, who's not going to play for the first two months of the season. Uh, I think maybe the better option would have gone to go no captain. There's a number of teams that are doing that this year. It's not like it would be an anomaly and just go no captain until Weber comes back. And then like, as part of his, like, going to return to the lineup we've named Shea Weber the 30th captain like do a whole thing with it at that point um it just felt a little weird yesterday to me um but yeah other than that uh this this team is one that I'll probably uh, mostly stay away from in in all formats with the exception of probably Thomas Tatar and Joel Armia those are both guys that I really like um but we'll see uh obviously the goaltending Carey Price is phenomenal but he can only do so much with what's around him And uh, in New Jersey, we saw a great year out of Taylor Hall last year. Nico Heischer is a top center. So guess what? I'm looking at who plays with them on the right wing, and it looks like Kyle Palmieri's won the job out of camp. And that means he's a guy that I think should be targeted in drafts. Could be very underrated as their first line right wing. I see this guy, if he stays healthy, being a threat for 60 points. With Corey Schneider's hip injury, Keith Kincaid has a chance to grab a bigger share of the net here, just as he did last season. And boy, he ran with it when he got that opportunity. So don't sleep on him either it's time though for other guys to step up and that means i'm looking at you pavel zaka to show what you can do to be a scoring line center i'm calling him to be a breakout candidate in terms of the of a, a performer that should be much better than he was last season and he gets to play with two speedy guys and a power play specialist and marcus johansson especially uh, helping him in that regard but jesper brad is a guy who showed very well last season as well so they could be set at center and they were insulated with travis ajak if he can stay healthy as a third line pivot in uh, new jersey well i love this third line combination i, I think zajac and wood uh with the addition of jean sebastian d a player who uh, they claimed off of waivers from from my club. Uh, he notched 50 points in 70 uh, games last year in the AHL. Uh, hasn't gotten a, a ton of looks in in um, 
you know, in the NHL last season or overall, really, uh, just because he's kind of been a depth option. I don't think he was really expected to take on a huge role uh, this season as well, just because the, that team is so deep with with the Devils. This is a guy that could play night to night, uh, could be in line for, you know, 70 games this season. So uh, definitely someone to keep an eye on, probably flew under the radar in most drafts, like I said, uh, given the situation he was in. But uh, it's looking better, played uh, some penalty kill yesterday for, for the devils in, in their, uh, overseas competition. So, uh, yeah, one to watch there, John Sebastian D and in Nashville, this is going to be one of the top teams in the league. And they did most of it last season without Kevin Fiala. He had a nice season last year, 48 points, but I think that's just scratching the surface. I think he's a threat to get 60 plus points. If he can stay out of the infirmary, another guy who's looking to do that is Ryan Ellis on defense. Boy, if, if you forgot that this guy missed 40 games and you realize he only had a handful of points relative to what you might have expected. He could be in line for a 50-point season in the elite company that he keeps in Nashville. That's the neighborhood that he resided in before he got hurt last season. So don't underrate Ellis. He could be a guy that really helps you uh, if, if other people overlook him. Well, I was really surprised to see Eli Tolvanen uh, sent down to the minors. Uh, I thought this guy was a lock uh, for their lineup this year. Uh, from everything they're saying, it's it's just a matter of trying to develop him more, um, which, you know, there's a fair argument to be made there. Um, they're not super deep on the on the right wing. I think he could have played consistent minutes, but he'll definitely be a top line, maybe maybe second line player in Milwaukee. So, um, you know, a few more opportunities there. Obviously, once Austin Watson would come back, that would muddy the waters a little bit for them. So while I can certainly see uh, what, you know, what their decision was, I, I was a little surprised. Ultimately, I, I definitely thought he was a player that was going to factor this year. On New York Islanders situation, I think that the the looming shadow of John Tavares' exit really hovers here. I expect his absence will limit uh, the performance and numbers of Anders Lee and Josh Bailey, who had career seasons last season with the superstar pivot there. Uh, there's a lot of pressure here on one Matthew Barzal. He, I think the he had an outstanding season last year, no question about it, but he's going to face tougher checking and, and uh, uh, more of a focus here when oppos- opposition plans for him. And that will likely cause a bit of a step backwards from that amazing rookie season in my opinion uh, Anthony Beauvillier though could be in line for a breakout if Bal- Barzal remains unfazed that's another guy who could help Barzal weather the storm if both of these guys play to the potential that they are capable of some players to watch uh, particularly today to see if they make it the team here are going to be Ross Johnson Jan Kovar and Tanner Fritz uh, how they can factor into this team uh, remains to be seen. There, there's some young players. Uh, they're all really competing for spots, but there's some veterans ahead of them, uh, kind of in all those positions. Uh, Andrew Ladd continues to deal with, uh, you know, his injury hasn't been able to participate uh, in practice sessions at this point. I would expect him to be missing on opening night. Now the team has continued to say that they're not worried about it, that he'll be ready for opening night. But I, I really am questioning whether that's the case at this point. And in New York, the rebuild is underway. They advised their season ticket holders that there was going to be some pain here, uh, like the Leafs did a couple of years ago. So they're hoping for the same blueprint. But there's a couple of candidates to keep an eye on still. Chris Kreider is a big, speedy winger with all the tools. First line left wing is his opportunity here to, to break out, I think. He'll get lots of ice time, lots of power play time, and could see his scoring totals rise. 
on the blue line I like a couple of defenders here Brady Shea has shown very well in terms of power play minutes and scoring a possibility Neil Pionk is another guy in that regard so don't just sleep on this team in terms of being a dog's breakfast overall there are a couple of names <laughs> that could rise and Nemesnikov at center could be another surprise they're going to play the heck out of a lot of their their younger skilled players and the four guys that I named are really uh, at the top of that list in my opinion Well, the one surprise I think coming out of camp was Brett Howden uh, making the team here. Uh, He was their first round pick, 27th overall in 2016. Uh, Had several solid, uh, you know, really good campaigns in juniors. Uh, 75 points last year, 81 the year before. Um, Had a brief uh, kind of stint in the AHL in in 16-17. Played just five games and picked up four points, including three goals uh, in that appearance. The 20-year-old certainly will be a factor here and could provide a little bit of a, another kind of sneaky bottom six scoring option uh, and could maybe get a look. You know, I don't think anybody outside of Chris Kreider on that, that left wing is really set in their spot. I think Howden will definitely challenge Jimmy Vesey and could even uh, give Ryan Spooner a run for his money in, in trying to chase down uh, some minutes. And in Ottawa, have they hung the banner yet? Lose for Hughes, uh, the top draft pick in the uh, uh, upcoming NHL draft, surely, surely must be in the sights of this management team. How bad is this team outlook, you ask? Their projected number two center, Zach Smith, was placed on waivers the other day. So that's, uh, that's a shocker. You don't see too many top six types uh, wavered uh, this early in the season, but uh, that, such is a lot there. Youngster Brady Tuchuk, their top pick, draft pick last year, has all the tools and the opportunity as a left wing two to have an instant impact here uh, this guy could be a leader of the future in in ottawa I, that's how high i think of him and on defense thomas shabbat is counted upon to be the offensive key to ma- try and make people forget about eric carlson good luck with that i'll say but uh, <laughs> he'll produce on this club with the opportunity he's getting but i think his ceiling uh, given the surroundings and the talent that he's playing with is somewhere in the 30 to 35 point range at the moment well, I do want to give a quick nod to Zach Smith for for how he handled that situation. Um, the team claimed that it, you know, they told them uh, that it was performance based through the preseason. Why they opted to waive him? Shocked that nobody wanted to take him. I, I I can't imagine there's really too many teams, maybe four or five, that couldn't have used this guy uh, at the center position, but handled it well and actually told kind of a funny story uh that morning his dog had jumped into bed uh with him after getting sprayed by a skunk so that's how his day started uh and then uh to get waived by the team but they're going to keep him around so it sounds like maybe that waiver was just a formality if they feel they need to move him to the minors in the future kind of wanted to get the risk out of the way i guess Um, But I'd be shocked if he didn't play most of his games uh, in the NHL. Maybe it'll serve as a wake up call uh, for him. But again, really surprised uh, nobody took uh, a flyer on him when he was on the waiver wire took a flyer on him that's interesting because our next team is the flyers <laughs> we're talking about aj's second favorite team in the state of pennsylvania uh with the philadelphia flyers and their newly minted mascot that we had a little bit of fun with last week and uh, interesting that scott hartnell retired maybe now he's going to play that role full time uh, <laughs> nolan patrick though a youngster who was brought along slowly last year is the starting second line center and boy i like this guy's upside particularly when you consider he'll be playing with experienced wingers james van Riemsdyk and jakob Voracek 
Belichick, he's perfectly situated for a breakout year. So put a big star by his name uh, at your drafts, and uh, good luck to you if you picked him. On the, in the goaltending situation, it's been a carousel for years and years. Michael Neuvert's groin injury has thrown an uncertain outlook into the mix. Brian Elliott will see a heavy out, uh, uh, workload out of the gate. But the highly regarded Carter Hart is waiting in the wings to see, uh, if he falters. So that'll be an area, of course, where we'll keep an eye on all season long and a story that will unfold over the next several weeks for sure. Yeah, I mean, for for me on this team, again, uh, you know, I think the top six is where you're looking for any options. Uh, there's not really any kind of young uh, talents, uh, in the forward ranks that are, that made a, a push or, or on the blue line, the blue line looks much like it did last year. Uh, and so really kind of just seeing, uh, what they can do with more of the same. But as you said, the goaltending situation is a question mark. Uh, I like Anthony Stolarts over Brian Elliott. That's just personal opinion. Uh, I don't think, uh, Elliott is going to risk losing minutes to Stolarts, but I think maybe he should. And in Pittsburgh now, I got to ask you about a defender in a minute. Yusso uh, Ricola, I want to do some, some uh, spy work on him. Uh, he'll head for a top pairing role, but I'm kind of intrigued up front. Carl Hagelin should be in line for a career year as a left wing two beside Malkin and Kessel. I hope those two guys can get along. There's been a lot of tape in the past where they've bickered back and forth, but on the ice they've had a heck of a chemistry, and Hagelin could benefit if he sticks in that role. Derek Broussard's been a 60-point guy in the past, but there's no way he's going to get that uh, if he plays center for Pittsburgh all year long because he's behind Malkin and Crosby. So don't overrate him offensively. He's not going to fit into a top six role here, I don't think. But uh, I want you to tell me about this news on defense, uh, AJ. Yeah, I mean, it looked like UC Ricola was going to make a play uh, for at least the sixth defenseman spot. That was before Brian Dumoulin got nicked up. Justin Schultz dealing with an injury as well. Um, he offers significantly more uh, offensive upside than a guy like Chad Ruedel. Uh, looking at his numbers uh, last season, 24 points in 55 names, uh, 55, uh, 59 games rather, uh, playing uh, overseas. Probably, uh, I think, heading into camp, they would have expected to send him down and, and let him play with the baby pens to kind of adjust uh, to North American style of play, but has racked up points throughout uh, the preseason. And I honestly kind of thought he would get a spot. I think you'll see today when the lineup comes out that he is for sure uh, going to be with the team this year. They'll probably go just one uh, one extra forward. It looks like Derek Grant will win out that role and then keep Ricola and Chad Ruido around for now. Uh, and then in, in goal for the, the Penguins, the, the question mark there is backup situation. Is it going to be Tristan Jari or Casey DeSmith? I said a while ago, Jari's contract is two-way this year, so I think that makes him slightly more expendable this season than Casey DeSmith, but we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, I kind of tend to agree with you, though, Paul. Derek Broussard, uh, probably going to have slightly less fantasy value than he would if he was playing the wing with Malkin and Kessel. And as far as their relationship goes, I think the Penguins will do better the more the two of them seem uh, to fight with each other. I think it comes from a place of competitive uh, of a competitive nature. I think them arguing is only going to serve them well. And it seems like off ice, there's no issues. It's the arguments are on the ice because they both want to win. They both want to score and produce when they're on the ice. So I have no problem with any sort of uh, heartbreak you may see between them. I, I do think they're fine. Uh, and it's a good thing 
uh, when they're they're competing with each other to to get better. And in San Jose, uh, there's one guy who's done a, himself a great service in terms of uh, improving his profile. That's Evander Kane. He committed to this team long term after finding his comfort zone out in uh, the sunny climates, and he hit pay dirt with a big contract. Now he's ready to be once again regarded as a top winger in the league. I do believe, but it also depends on the health of their top pivots, including one Joe Thornton, who's getting really long in the tooth. But if he's healthy, Jumbo Joe's still one of the best passers around. Another forward to watch is Timo Meyer. He's in good company and should be poised for a career year if he can stick with the likes of Logan Couture and Thomas Hurdle. That's a pretty good top six there in, in San Jose. And you already talked about the fact they have two of the best guys uh, in, uh, in the league in terms of defense. Boy, that must mean Martin Jones is one happy camper in the Nets, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, to have that that kind of defense in front of you uh, definitely will make any netminder smile. Uh, the question for me here is actually Timo Meyer because I think that's that spot's going to be a rotating, uh, you know, kind of uh, selection of guys. Jonas Donskoy could get a look there. Kevin LeBanc, uh, even Melker Carlson, Barkley Goodrow. I think any one of these guys could slide in and out of there. Uh, and it's really going to be kind of a rotating position, uh, which has, you know, gives me a little bit of pause. If I'm looking to take any of these guys, um, I need to know heading into the game, at least who's going to be, uh, you know, st- uh, on that second line, at least to start the game. But there's even there, there's no guarantee they'll finish the game there. So uh, some question marks there as far as how that goes. Maybe during the first week of the season here, we'll see that shore up a little bit. I, I do think Meyer has an inside look here, uh, but he, it's a tenuous hold at best. In St. Louis, the big news in the offseason for them was a couple of pickups that well, I'll talk about in a second. First of which is Patrick Maroon deciding to sign with his hometown team. And this guy's thrived in top line roles in a couple of different stops during his tours of duty around the NHL. He gets another chance to do that with Ryan O'Reilly, another uh, big trade acquisition in the offseason. And Vladimir Tarasenko, one of the best two-way players in hockey as his line mates here. So a great landing spot for Maroon. I look for him to have a big year in St. Louis playing in front of friends and family there. The addition of David Perron for a second tour of duty in St. Louis solidifies a second scoring line here. So I think this guy could duplicate what he did in Las Vegas last year, getting something in the order of 60 to 70 points. And he's in pretty good company there. Uh, more good news offensively if Robbie Fabry can finally stay healthy he gets to play with third line veterans Tyler Bozak an acquisition from the Maple Leafs and Alex Steen a veteran who knows his way around both ends of the ice that unit could be a real handful I think it's one of the best looking third lines in the NHL I don't disagree if they're healthy the problem is Robbie Fabry has been anything but healthy Alexander Steen has dealt with injuries as well. Uh, And so if those guys are out, that's really going to hurt the depth from this team. It'll give some opportunities to Jordan Cairo, Samuel Blase, Clem Closton are all guys that could factor in for extra minutes. Uh, Unfortunately, Nikita Shadoshnikov, who uh, you're a little bit familiar with from his time in Toronto, uh, has been dealing with a concussion all preseason. He's a player that I think could have factored in. Uh, in challenge for some spots here as well. Uh, hopefully he can get healthy down the road and then obviously losing Oscar Sunquest for a bit. We'll talk more about that, but uh, injuries seem to be plaguing this team uh, and it carries over onto the blue line too um, with some, some guys that are banged up there as well. 
In Tampa, uh, I'm pretty happy for Anton Strelman. He's getting a chance to be reunited for, with Victor Hedman. He was a top-scoring defenseman, uh, something in the order of 40 points. I could see him getting back into that range after dipping below for a couple of years, if you can hang on to that role, because Hedman, simply put, is one of the best uh, defensive studs in the in- entire league. Uh, Tyler Johnson and Nikita Kucherov both saw limited action in preseason play due to nagging injuries. That's not a good sign. You want to start the season healthy, and these guys are already nicked up. So I say a little bit of beware uh, is is uh, beware of, of possibilities here is is something you should be concerned with. Uh, prospect to look out for though, uh, Anthony Sorelli is yet another talented center who may emerge in the way that Braden Point did over the last two seasons. So they keep developing talent and they've found a way to solve their cap issues. This is a team that's going to be a handful for anyone in the league and in many circles is the preseason Stanley Cup favorite. So uh, lots to feel good about in Tampa uh, from top to bottom here despite the nicks and bruises at the early going. Yeah, and Sorelli will benefit if if Tyler Johnson is uh, missing some time. Now, he's 50-50 to play opening night. Uh, That means it's probably not going to be long uh, for him to get back in the lineup there. So uh, definitely some some interesting guys to watch. I think you hit the nail on the head with Sorelli as kind of the the headliner there. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see how Victor Hedman can hold up with the other two. Now that Burns uh, and Carlson are playing with each other, uh, maybe not on the same line, but on the same team, can Victor Hedman keep up uh, and kind of continue to, you know, be that one elite tier, those three guys uh, kind of well above the rest and to see if they can, uh, he can hold his own uh, uh, with those two Sharks now. Well, up next, we talk about the Maple Leafs. And before you and I went to air, I told you about EA Sports running a simulation. And guess who wins the Stanley Cup? It's the Maple Leafs over the Sharks in a seven-game series. I'll take that. But as I said to you, they might be stretching me out of the Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, Maple Leaf, <laughs> the uh, Nova Sco- Scotia Bank Place, the new newly named arena in Toronto, uh, if that should come to pass. But uh, we already talked about William Nylander remaining unsigned. And I think that's going to hurt his outlook uh, over the season. He's been in Mike Babcock's dog house before and there might be a little bit of a penalty when he returns he won't be given top six minutes right out of the way i don't think that opportunity will go to tyler ennis to start the season in his place as a right wing number one he's done everything that a coach could ask for in terms of that early early showing and he's a skilled player who uh, has a good offensive uh, range to his game i think uh, if he does falter i think kasperi kapanen is the under candidate that would get the, the role in the early going but uh, here's a here's a hot take for you well, they got Matthews and the Tavares. Mitch Marner is my candidate to lead this team in scoring this year. AJ, what do you think about that? I think it's a bold, uh, bold call. I, it's not an outrageous call. I think it's bold, but not outrageous. That's how I'll label it. Um, <laughs> I would put my money on the safe bet here with John Tavares leading the team, but uh, you certainly uh, could make a good argument right now that, that Marner will compete for that. And we'll kind of see how that shakes out. Uh, we're still looking for a dollar bet. I know we wanted to do something Penguins and Leafs, but but maybe uh, Marner versus Tavares and Matthews. We can maybe figure something out there. Um, and I think a great call on Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, I think he'll be the biggest beneficiary of Willie Nylander being out. 
And even once Nylander is back, I think he'll compete for minutes uh, with guys like Andreas Johnson and Connor Brown, uh, even Josh Levo, uh, and, and kind of challenge for a regular role with this team. Well, Vancouver Canucks are up next, and uh, there's no Sedins on the roster, AJ, so that obviously has a different look. One of the guys that I'm looking at uh, for a possible breakout year is Brendan Leipzig. He's a top candidate for the plum assignment as left wing number one next to Bo Horvat and Brock Besser. Elias Patterson is poised to assume the second line center role, and this guy could be in the mix for Rookie of the Year honors. So a new look in Vancouver means a lot of young players, and uh, the rebuild is well underway, and there's uh, lots of promising talent there among the top six forwards anyway. Yeah, my problem uh, here that uh, is uh, for all the young players that you highlighted that are playing top six, uh, the bottom is looking a little bit of a who's who of elderly veterans. Uh, still, you got Louis Erickson, who's actually dealing with an injury. Anton Roussel is trying to work his way back. Uh, Jay Beagle, it, it looks like he's going to be their third line center. Marcus Granlin, uh, a little bit more of a, a younger guy, but um, it's definitely gets a little a little older when you get further down this lineup and for me I've got questions about Jake Vertanen here playing with Beagle and Granlin I don't see uh, that pairing doing him too well hopefully uh, if you're in Vertanen's camp if you've got some shares of him this year he can challenge Nikolai Gudolbin for for minutes on that top six because I expect most of the scoring for this team to come out of that top six here I don't see think you'll get a whole lot of depth uh, scoring uh, on this team. AJ, when it comes to the next club, the Vegas Golden Knights, I have to look at a number of prognosticators who are looking for this team to suddenly dip dramatically in the standings. I don't see how that's going to happen. This is a team that was well-constructed and got a lot of uh, unexpected top performances out of players who were given an opportunity to show their skills. They've added to this mix in the offseason with the additions of Paul Stastny and Max Pacioretty, giving the Knights a very new look on the second line among the forwards. And I look for their right-winger, uh, Alex Took. Uh, who has all the tools to have a breakout campaign rounding out that second line there's lots of depth on the wings here uh, insurance in the names of Nosek, Carrier and Carpenter these guys all showed well in cameos of different lengths and top six roles last year so there's lots of depth up front we know that they've got a whole lot on defense and you kind of like their goaltending <laughs> absolutely I do uh, I think their second line is a motivated uh, couple of guys here. You got Max Pacioretty looking to uh, shake off, you know, whatever, uh, you know, lingering issues uh, or baggage he might be carrying from his time in Montreal. This is a guy that's going to be playing with a huge chip on his shoulder to show that, hey, I know I know I'm a good player and I can show it here on a team uh, that compliments me with some other talent. And he's going to get that in Paul Statsny, who's on the Stanley Cup uh, hunt right now as, as kind of a veteran guy here. Uh, and so we'll see uh, how that pairs out. I think that's a great group there. I would personally like to see Tuke and Halla flipped. I'd like to see Tuke playing with Stastny and Pacioretty, um, but he'll certainly do just fine with Nosek and Oscar Lindbergh. Uh, what I would not want to be on the ice for would be to go up against that fourth line. Uh, those guys are going to take a brutaling toll uh, with the hits uh, and physicality with William Carrier, Pierre-Edouard Belmar, and then Ryan Reeves right now. Uh, that is a group that will hit you and hit you hard. Uh, and for, you know, the most part, legally hard, which is, you know, perhaps most important there. And so uh, that is a group I would not want to go out against. And there's going to be some teams uh, that I think their top uh, talents are going to be dreading 
facing that group. Le- hitting somebody legally and hard. Isn't that something that Tom Wilson should take a course in? Over in Washington, <laughs> he's penciled in as the right wing number one and no more than a 30 to 35 point guy if he's in the lineup. But he's going to face a lengthy suspension, I think, to start the season. And that could certainly put a dent in his fantasy value because I think they'll figure something out up front that means he'll start the season as more of a depth player, which is probably where he's best suited. Jakob Vrana might be a guy that steps up and takes a top, top six role. And if and when he does I think this is the breakout candidate here up front on defense I'll give you another breakout candidate that's Christian Jews he has solid offensive skills and could thrive if he's partnered with with John Carlson on defense we know what Carlson can do offensively one of the top scoring guys from the blue line position well, depending on the length of, of that Wilson suspension, uh, you're going to get uh, guys like Chandler Stephenson and Nathan Walker are going to be the ones that uh, take on some additional minutes. Uh, Andre Burakovsky could move up uh, to, to a higher line uh, you know, with Wilson out. So uh, some interesting decisions to be made there. The hearing is going to be in person, which means a minimum of six games uh, from everything I've read. And so we'll see how that goes and how it affects the rest of the team here. But uh, still, this is a top team uh, that's coming off, obviously, the Stanley Cup win. uh, And they'll be just as good, uh, led, obviously, by Alexander Ovechkin. And you look at the final team of the 31 that we uh, analyzed this week, and it might be one of the, it's definitely going to be one of the best teams in the league, maybe uh, right there with the Leafs as the top team from Canada. Look at the top six, AJ. Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, then the second line, Brian Little, Patrick Liney, and Matthew Perot. Uh, of these six players, Brian Little seems to be a guy who has a ceiling of 60 points. I don't know why he couldn't smash through that with the quality wingers that he will play with, but he's never done so in his career, so I wouldn't overrate him. In that regard, but up the middle of the ice, uh, pretty solid in terms of the one-two punch. Uh, Given Mark Scheifele, he's one of the best guys in the league, maybe he has a chance to contend for the Hart Trophy as an MVP in this league. That's how good I think he can be. On defense, there's a lot of size and strength. It's time for Jacob Truba to have that breakout season, and I think he's going to get every chance as the top uh, seeded uh, defenseman on the right side here ahead of the likes of Bufflin and Myers. Well, I'll give you a few names here to uh, to ponder over in terms of uh, some sneaky options here. Kristen uh, Veselainen out of Finland got 39 points in 44 games playing overseas last year. He's going to make the lineup here right out the gates. And then Jack Roslavich, uh, younger player, again, uh, got 31 games last year in the NHL, uh, got 14 points in those outings, saw just about 12, 19 of ice time. These two figure right now to pair up on a fourth line with Nikolai Ehlers, which is uh, a very interesting fourth line. <clears throat> I think ultimately you might see them flip with uh, Cop, Lowry, and Tanev to be the third line. Um, but this is one that, honestly, if I'd put that on a handful of other teams in the league, you're looking at a top six line there in Veselin and Roslavich and Ehlers. And uh, AJ, it's time to bring back some of our regular features from last couple of years of regular season. We've had great support from FanDuel and we play their games all the time. We'll get into the first FanDuel segment right now. And before that, though, we want to remind our listeners that over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. Why don't you join them? Take take advantage of a special offer for news users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. Uh, Let's get into that FanDuel segment with a look at the four games tomorrow night, AJ. Of course, I'll be in a tenants in Toronto when the Canadians come to visit the Leafs 
Boston and Montreal, Boston and Washington get together in Washington as they unfurl that Stanley Cup banner that used to reside in, uh, Stanley Cup used to reside in Pittsburgh for a while, but now you have to take a look at it in enemy territory. Another all-Canadian matchup in the evening, Calgary and Vancouver, and the new look Canucks against a Calgary team that looks like it's on the way up too. And then uh, in, on the West Coast, Anaheim and San Jose, a battle of two California teams that should be on uh, ongoing all season long. So with that, that uh, AJ, why don't you remind our listeners about the value of the Rotowire Optimizer and tell us what it spits out for the four games tomorrow night. Yeah, absolutely. The Optimizer, a great place to go uh, to help build out your lineup. Now, personally, uh, what I like to tend to do is is pick a couple of guys that, that I expect to have big nights and use the Optimizer to help uh, build out that lineup from there. Uh, we've got some interesting new features, including our like uh, feature, a little different from the lock feature you might be familiar with in which, you know, if you lock a guy, he's for sure in your lineup. If you use the like feature, it kind of uh, it bumps the, the player's projection. <coughs> Excuse me. And so uh, you can kind of see, well, if he does as good as I think he will, would he be in the optimal lineup tonight? So kind of an intriguing uh, look. But you can take the lineup optimizer just straight up. And if you do, here's what it'll spit out for you right now. Uh, Elias Pettersson for Vancouver at 4,600. That's a great depth option. Uh, From everything I've seen, it should be an intriguing matchup. It goes to the other side with Derek Ryan at 3,600. That's going to be the cheapest player on the optimizer tonight and not a bad option for a guy who's slated to get second power play uh, minutes. The big money uh, plays here for the optimizer, Alexander Ovechkin for 8,700 and Johnny Gaudreau for 7,400. The optimizer uh, continues uh, in that Vancouver Calgary game with Brock Besser for 6,400 and then uh, rounds out the wingers, Ryan Donato for Boston, 3,700. All of those guys, uh, all the wingers here slated for top power play minutes. We'll see how that shakes out. Definitely something you're going to want to keep track of in the next couple of days. Those power play uh, lines are definitely going to be fluid. Defensively, optimizer goes John Carlson at 6,300, Mark Giordano for 5,600, and then pays up uh, for John Gibson here, uh, 8,300 in between the nets for Anaheim. Uh, that's actually uh, a middle of the road option for, uh, for salaries tonight. So not too bad trending towards the top avoids, uh, the high price Braden Holpe for 92. So, uh, that's what the optimizer is looking at, at, uh, for tonight. Paul, how did you build out your lineup? Well, I started off by taking a look at the Maple Leafs Canadians game and how can you not put in Austin Matthews when he's looked so good in the exhibition schedule, $7,800. I think that price is going to go up during the course of the season, a big year for the Leafs budding superstar. I pair him with Evgeny Kuznetsov. That's a really good one too. I think Kuznetsov's going to be fired up by that flag raising ceremony and uh, have a good night against the Bruins who are nicked up offensively. You get him for $7,300. Then I go to the wings and I really like James Neal addition to Calgary. I think he's going to now have a big offensive year and it begins tomorrow night in Vancouver. $6,900 his price tag. I also like TJ Oshie who gets top six minutes for the Caps and he's another guy who plays with a lot of emotion and there'll be plenty of that in the building as I said you get him for $6,000 I like your call on Ryan Donato so I'm doubling down on that for $3,700 that's one of the best values on the entire board in terms of offensive players uh, who 
should do well this season. Thomas Hurdle is a guy that I've had a lot of time for. If people have listened to this show regularly, they'd know that. And I expect him to be great value at $5,100. So some cheapies to allow me to go big on the forwards. And then on the blue line, I, I go a little bit of both here when you consider the profiles of these players. TJ Brody, I think he's primed for a breakout season again in Calgary, $4,300 for him and then a uh, little ink has been uh, shared about Nikita Zaitsev in Toronto I'm looking for a big bounce back season from him he'll play top four minutes uh, on the blue line there and whether he's paired with Gardner or Riley he's going to do very well I think in picking up uh, up the points on a regular basis and it begins with a lopsided matchup at home tomorrow night you get him for forty three hundred dollars and of course I mentioned the lopsided nature of that matchup Carey Price is one of the best goalies in the league, but he plays behind a bad team. Freddie Anderson's a very good goalie. He plays behind a very good team. It's simple math. I put Freddie in there for $8,400. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Freddie Anderson uh, probably is the call of the night. Uh, you know, for me, I try and avoid the good net miners playing each other. So you got Braden Holtby going up against Tuka Rask. You got Martin Jones facing John Gibson. Um, but as you said, Carey Price uh, is behind a very bad team uh so i'm actually going full on toronto stack tonight i'll start with john Tavares at 8300 uh continue with austin matthews at 7800 and then going to go value on the wings with casperi kapanen 3600 i think that's a great uh three-player stack <coughs> heading into uh wednesday's slate of games to build out the rest of my wingers, I, I did go high with Joe Pavelski, 7,500. Uh, really not a terrible price given his, uh, you know, his uh, ability to contribute uh, on the ice and lead that team. And so I think uh, it's definitely worth it in this matchup. Brock Besser for 6,400. I'm not, uh, as we know, I'm not high on the Calgary netminder there. And so I think Vancouver could put up some points in, in specific guys tonight. And then I'm taking Andre Burakovsky, 3,900. I think this guy uh, will find out today, but I think Burakovsky is going to be playing top six with Tom Wilson out. Uh, I would imagine he's suspended for sure. So Burakovsky is my guy. 3,900 for a top six winger is a really cheap price there. Defensively, uh, Charlie McAvoy, 4,500. That's a great value for a guy who's probably going to lead his team uh, in defensive scoring uh, and I think can start that off on the first night. And then Mark Edward Vlasic, 4,400 for the guy who's probably going to play with Eric Carlson uh, is a steal in my opinion. And then to round out my Toronto stack, like I said, Freddie Anderson, the goalie of the night, 8,400 is not over the top in terms of pricing. You can still build out a decent lineup uh, and you avoid uh, kind of those uh, elite net minor matchups that uh, make it uh, a little dangerous there. All right, AJ, I've waited three years for this bet. It's dollar <laughs> bet time. It's time, my friend. Uh, I'm going to promote this like a wrestler, uh, wrestling show rather. And I don't want to tease it for two weeks. I want you to come up with, with your rebuttal right now. Uh, show some guts here. I'm putting my <laughs> big two against your big two centers, Matthews and Tavares, Crosby and Malkin, total points. It's on, right? Well, you know, I, I, I originally, I might honestly have taken the Leafs on this, but having said that, I know, I know with the, the loony struggling, things are tight up there. So I'm willing to, uh, to help out and do a dollar bet here. Leafs against Pitt, uh, the top two centers, total points. I, I'm down. 
There we go, folks. So I want to get your reactions on Twitter. I want to see which side of the fence you guys land on. Let's do a little survey about that, AJ. What do you think? You can you set that up for us at the end of the show? Yeah, I'll, I'll throw that out there. Who's going to get uh, more points? The Leafs, uh, Tavares and Matthews versus Pittsburgh's uh, Crosby and Malkin. Although that's an interesting bet that you make when you don't even think that those big two guys are going to be the leading scorer on their team. I was wondering if you'd throw that back at me, buddy, but it's on, <laughs> and I'm happy about that. Can't wait to see how it unfolds this season. And we also want to round out the show with our other signature pieces, the stud and the rant. There's lots to talk about in both categories. Boy, AJ, Connor McDavid, he was the best player in the league last year, and he looked so dominant, uh, leading all scorers in, in exhibition play, 11 points in only four games, and I'm sure he feels the sting of missing the playoffs last year, a very big motivation for him to start this season well. He's the fastest skater in the league and is very capable of making highlight reel spins every night. That's the great part of hockey, and he's right at the forefront there, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think he's a, a great, um, you know, future leader of of the league and a great face of the, the NHL here. And, uh, you know, really uh, from every, you know, I don't watch all their all their games all the time. I don't see all the off ice stuff, but everything I've I've seen and read uh, great, you know, off ice guy, great on ice guy. And so really deserving to be the first stud of the week here heading into the season. And the rant of the week, this is an easy one right off the hop. Uh, Max Domi and Tom Wilson, what do they have in common? Well, both these guys crossed the line in the preseason. Domi, of course, punched a defenseless Aaron Ekblad when the latter refused to engage him in a scrap. The ensuing suspension for the balance of the preseason was a meaningless deterrent. And that's a black mark against the NHL's uh, enforcement committee, off-ice enforcement committee, in my opinion. They've got a chance to rectify that, though, with uh, the fact that Tom Wilson delivered a headshot to an unsuspecting Oscar Sundquist in the last exhibition game and is likely facing a severe suspension to start the season. You mentioned minimum of six games because it's an in-person deal. I think Tommy's lucky he didn't get suspended for any regular season games. That was a joke, in my opinion. League disciplinarian George Peros has to drop the hammer on Wilson a multiple-time offender to send a strong message as the season gets underway that the NHL no longer tolerates meat-headed behavior. Well, and they barely suspended Scott Wilson for uh, his hit during the postseason last year. It, it's, it, I, it absolutely um, is correct that they have not sent a strong enough message. If they, if they want Tom Wilson to stop doing what he's been doing, they need to send a message here. We've seen it come up a handful of times in the past. And it's not until a guy faces a significant penalty that they start to change the way they play the game. And ultimately I have said this for a while. I think there need to be penalties for the actual team to make the team want to change his style of play. Yes. Losing Tom Wilson for a couple of games will impact the capitals, but it's not like, uh, they're going to be, uh, you know, facing, you know, missing out on the playoffs because Wilson doesn't play a few games at the start of the season. But if you come up with a set of penalties that says, Hey, if this guy's repeat offense again, we're going to take draft picks. We're going to take cap space that you can't use in future seasons, stuff like this that will actually affect the team. Then they're going to make the effort to go ahead and say, look, Hey buddy, you can't play this way anymore. Or we're going to have to let you go because we can't deal with it. And so Yes, I do think they need to drop the hammer on Wilson himself to send a message. But I really, truly believe that at some point 
this team need or the league needs to see look into penalties for teams for repeat offenders all right well we'll stop it right there well said partner and uh, please go ahead and put that survey up and i hope our listeners weigh in on that dollar bet that wraps up this episode of podcast with statsman and aj please remember to send your comments or questions on twitter follow me paul bruno at statsman 22 and you can follow aj at aj shoals 24 as always we invite you to listen to podcasts to get your tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research during the season so long everybody (laughs) 